Uh, we've been in this overgrowth series looking at the words of Jesus, and um, in this second half of, of Luke chapter 12, uh, we're going to begin in verse 35, uh, Jesus really gives uh, four R's of the Christian life. Uh, and, uh, and some of this is going to be tough, but, but he, he really says the, the Christian life, the Christian walk, what it means to be my follower is, is four R's, and we're going to go over those four R's today. The, the first R is return, the second is readiness, rewards, and requirement. Return, readiness, rewards, and requirement. Let me show you what I mean. In Luke chapter 12, beginning verse 35, it says, Jesus says, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you're waiting for your master to, what's the word? Return from the wedding feast. Then you will be, what's the word? Ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are and waiting for his, you guys are getting good, will be, see how this works? I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them. Put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Return. This is an idea Jesus talks about uh, uh, in the Bible a lot. In fact, I, I think I need to do a study of this, but I'm pretty certain that every book in the New Testament speaks to this idea of return, this idea of second coming. Uh, just off the top of my head, I know in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, it says, someday he will return. In 2 Peter 3.10, it says that he will return unexpected like a thief. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, I think I have that on the screen. It says, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come back, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. First Thessalonians said it's going to come unexpectedly. In Matthew 24, he says, stay awake. It's almost that sense of, uh, were you, when, when you were in school, did you ever lean back in your chair? And try to balance on those back two legs. You know what I'm talking about? So all of scripture has this sense of like leaning back in your chair. Because uh, if you've ever seen somebody try to lean back in and try to stay balanced perfectly on those back two legs. It's this kind of, it's this constant motion of kicking their legs out. And, and what happens if they lose concentration even for a second? Jesus says... That's kind of how this world, how, how we should live and act and move in this world. When we studied Leviticus, we know that this time, this moment is vapor. Maybe the best thing I can compare it to is uh, all of our military families overseas, we see the videos of video, you know, every week on YouTube, there's another video of a home coming. And the military guys and girls are, are, are especially good at this because they come home not when everyone is expecting it, but the best videos are when it is unexpected. And Jesus says 
that you are to expect the unexpected. Are you expecting the unexpected? So I had my teenagers help me out. There you go. All right, all my concealed carry people, be calm. It's okay. Everybody's heart's still beating. So I invited the, the teenagers to help me out. Seasons change without warning, right? We're having a nice warm day. Is it going to be like this tomorrow? Who knows? Who can predict? You just don't know. We are called to expect the unexpected. It says that he may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn. But in chapter 12, verse 40, it says, the Son of Man will come. There's this sense that this whole world, this whole thing, this, this thing that we call life, this thing we are a part of, is heading to some destination. It is heading to some point. It is heading to some sort of conclusion, or maybe you can use the word home coming. There will be a return. And so, in light of this future event, Jesus says, be ready. There's a show on a, a National Geographic uh, called Doomsday Preppers. Have you seen this? I think we have a picture, Stephen. There we go. Oh, I didn't put it in? Everybody look at Stephen like it's his fault anyway. <laughs> so anyway, there's this show. Uh, trust me about this. There's a show on National Geographic uh, called Doomsday Preppers. And so have you, have you seen that? You guys know about preppers? This is, is this a new thing? Like, like there are people who are preppers. And so in their house, they are prepping for, for some, I don't know, they're prepping for a nuclear holocaust. They're prepping for a uh, financial collapse. Uh, I guess I had an uncle that was like always buy, like buying gold or precious metals. You know, money's going to go away and collapse. We got to be ready. And I was like, okay, um, you know, they're, they're prepping for the zombie apocalypse. You know, I don't know. Like, we, we have to be ready all the time for something. And so uh, they're, they're stockpiling, you know, what, what are they stockpiling? Fuel and ammunition and food. And they're stockpiling MREs. You know, you know what MRE is? They give them to military people. I'd rather die than eat an MRE. I've had one of those. I'm just telling you right now. You don't want that. If that's the only life you got and the only food you got, just face the music. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah, like, this is not what you want to be living on. It's not. But there, there are people out there, you know, they're building bunkers and generators and all this kind of stuff. And, and Jesus in Scripture kind of says, you're, you're afraid of the wrong kind of stuff. You're really, your fear is misplaced. Earlier in Luke chapter 12, if you remember last week, uh, Jesus is asked to settle a kind of a financial dispute, and he tells the story about a rich man who has awesome fields that, that have this incredible harvest. And the man says, oh, what am I going to do with this awesome harvest? I'm going to build bigger barns, and then I'm going to sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus calls him a what? Fool. You're a fool to prep for stuff down here in this temporary 
place. Remember, this whole thing's getting to a conclusion. And so, so to try to store up stuff here, whether, whether it be wealth or MREs, and miss what's really important, which is a rich relationship with God, which he goes on to say is to seek first, above all else, seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, and he will give you everything you need. Jesus said, you're, you're prepping for the wrong kind of thing. This, this is the wrong kind of readiness. But he said, I, I want you to be ready for a return. And it's this kind of, kind of weird play on, on anticipation versus anxiety. Um, it, it seems that Jesus is, is a little bit okay with you feeling a little bit anxious. But, but most of the slant of Scripture is, is towards an anticipation. And, and I think there's a difference there. Are, are you with me? Is there a difference between anticipation and anxiety? An outfielder in, in right field anticipates that fly ball. I don't know that he's anxious about it, but he's anticipating it. A basketball player anticipates the snap pass. The, in football, the safety anticipates the Hail Mary. Jesus says in verse 35, he said, be dressed for service and keep your lamp burning. It, it's almost like a, the language we would use today is, is heads up. If I say heads up, you guys know what I mean? It's kind of a horrible expression because usually when somebody says heads up, really, what should you do? Put your head down. Yeah, like, like what, huh? Um, no, that's the worst reaction. But, but heads up is kind of a, kind of a warning, kind of a notice. Kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a red flag. It's a clue. It's supposed to tip you off of something that's coming. When Jesus says, be dressed for service and keep your lamp burning, he's saying heads up. Anticipate. And when we anticipate and, and when we kind of participate in, in when, when we kind of make ourselves ready, it changes things. It changes how, how, how we interact with our world. Um, I, I think there's a, there's a readiness that can kind of create fear, but I think the readiness that Jesus is talking about is a readiness that relieves fear. Uh, it, it made me think of a, like a, uh, a, maybe you've had unexpected car trouble. Last week we talked about engine lights, you know. Uh, maybe just unexpectedly your engine light came on or, or you've, had, you've had a car accident. Maybe you have unexpected medical expenses. So in life, unexpected things are going to happen and, and the, uh, it, it can affect a person differently who is uh, prepared, one who is ready and one who is not ready. So if you have some unexpected expense, how's it going to affect someone that's never listened to Dave Ramsey and followed the advice his grandmother would give you? So if you haven't saved, if you don't have a savings, if you haven't, um, like the, the faithful aunt, stored money away or stored things away, in case of an unexpected event, when that unexpected thing happens and Senior adults, is that going to happen? Yeah. You know it's going to happen. What's the reaction of the person who isn't ready? Yeah, they're going to feel, they're not going to feel, 
you know, anticipation. They're going to feel anxious. They're going to feel fear. But what's the reaction of someone who has saved? It's different, right? Well, we have a savings account. When our car breaks down, I don't like spending money to fix my car. Right? I drive a Jeep. I just know I'm ready. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I know that at some point something is going to happen, and so I have a savings. And so when that moment comes... I'm ready. And it affects me differently, doesn't it? I still don't like spending the money, but I haven't lost my head over it. I'm not in a place of panic or fear. I'm ready. And Jesus says, be ready. And with readiness comes rewards. Verse 37 the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them and put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. This is, this is a really like uh, totally unexpected role reversal because the master would never serve the servant. Like, like in the culture that Jesus is talking about, the, the idea of a master coming in and seeing how great a job the servant has done at, at preparing for his coming and then just totally changing places with him. Well, let me serve you because your readiness is so awesome. It was, it's totally, totally unheard of. But I think he's speaking about like the goodness of God and, and how much he loves us and cares about us. Jesus says, hey, I'll put the apron on and serve you because I love you. Some of the greatest things about being a Christian is, is that we don't have to be afraid of the return. Right? We get to anticipate it. For us, it should be a moment we look forward to because we know that the moment that, and, and really and truly, if you look at the Bible, you see, and I know maybe I've said this a lot lately, but um, God doesn't send anyone to hell. It's our choice. It is. And if you look at Scripture, that's exactly what's happening. And if you look at the heart of God, you know that's not what God wants. God wants every one of you to come back. And so the moment, this future moment that everything is in the balance, leaning forward to, that's going to happen, is, is a moment of, it's never designed, God never designed it to be a moment of, of punishment and damnation. He designed it as a moment of life and salvation. It's a moment of homecoming. It's a moment where he can draw all humanity back to himself to bring his children home. It's a moment of reward, and our readiness is rewarded. Let's keep going in this passage. I know we're moving quickly. In chapter 12, verse 41, in the next verse, Peter pipes up, and this is never a good idea. Peter asks, Lord, is that illustration about readiness and return and reward, is that, is that readiness just for us or for everyone? And, and what he means is, is this illustration for us or for somebody else? 
what do you think? If you're asking the question, you know it's you you know what's coming next, and and uh, uh, I don't want to read the whole thing. I'll I'll let you dive into it. But Jesus answers his question in 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 typical Jesus way. He he in a way he kind of similarly summarizes the previous story about about servants, and he tells the story of a of there's a sensible servant and a wicked servant. The sensible servant is is ready for the master's return, and he's rewarded. In fact, the master even puts him in charge of, of more stuff. But then there's also a wicked servant who knows the master's going to return and chooses anyway to kind of not prepare, not make himself ready at all, not anticipate his return, and says, this is a wicked servant because uh, uh, he throws a party and gets drunk and he starts treating everyone, and then when does the master return? Exactly at that moment. And it says, um, uh, Jesus actually says that the, that servant will be cut into pieces and be banished with the unfaithful. And he probably means that the, that wicked servant will be cut up with, probably not literally, but probably means cut up with words. Your mom ever cut you up with words? You know what I'm talking about? And he talks about there, there's kind of, there, there, there's kind of a couple of different kinds of disobedience almost is, is what he gets at. You know, there's, there's someone who knows and someone who does not know. You know, the, the person who does not know about Christ and his return, at least that person, I mean, they're not, they're not fully out of the woods yet. Even when uh, my brothers and sisters got in trouble and I wasn't there, you know, I got in trouble too because they knew I had something to do. Maybe I didn't know, but I knew enough. You know what I'm talking about? Did that ever happen to you? Did you ever get kind of vicarious punishment? Jesus says, there's some of you that, 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 that know, and then there's some of you who don't know. And, and so if you don't know, at least you can plead ignorance. But he said, that's not what's happening with this unfaithful servant. Um, the unfaithful servant is the one who knew better, Right? And willful, that kind of willful disobedience is always the worst. And for that willful disobedience comes the worst punishment. And so Jesus moves on in chapter 12, verse 48, the, the second half of verse 48. Here's really where we want to land. We've talked about return and readiness and reward, but this is the big one. Jesus says, when someone has been given much, much will be, what's the word? Required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be, what? Required. Maybe the question we should be asking in light of return, so scripture talks a lot about return, or second coming, judgment, homecoming, talks a lot about this idea. Maybe, maybe the question we should be asking is, if the Son of Man is going to come, where is he? Ever felt like that? Like if, 
if Scripture talks so much about this, and, and if you've ever felt that way, like you're not the first one, but, but if this great return is, is supposed to be this great homecoming, a, an event that, that we're ready for and looking forward to, if it's supposed to be a really good thing, then why is he holding back? What is he waiting for? Well, like I said, you're not the first person to ask that question. And in 2 Peter, uh, he addresses it. Look what it says. Several passages out of 2 Peter chapter 3. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? Why is he holding back? Where is this thing? Let's get on with it. What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming back? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world has first started. He says he's coming back, but nothing has changed. What do we do with that? Let's keep going. Go to that next slide. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. This is also the section where he talks about uh, a day is like a, a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is a day to the Lord. Like, hey, God's timing is not your timing. You don't get to understand that. So the Lord isn't being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he is being, what's the word? Patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Remember what I said? God isn't standing up there in judgment waiting to send people to hell. If anything, he's holding heaven and hell back so that more people can repent and be saved. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. It goes on, but the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly. Like he's holding this thing back, but he can't hold it back forever. It's going to come unexpectedly as a thief. Keep going. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. In light of the fact that God is holding all of this back for you, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Does that sound like anxiety or anticipation? God hasn't forgotten about this whole thing that's happening here. <laughs> um, a day is like a thousand years to him. If anything, God is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to miss out on, on him, but wants everyone to repent and return to him. He's being patient so every single person can be saved. My, my daughter asked me this week, she said, uh, you know, the age-old question, Dad, why, does why do bad things happen to good people? And, and I told her, I said, actually, Scripture has a lot to say about this. And, and part of what Scripture says is that, you know, the whole idea of good people and bad people comes from us, not from him. We are his children created in his image. And if you lost one of your kids, you would be destroyed. And you don't label your kids, well, this is my son, Cannon, he's the good one, and this is my daughter, Harper, she's the bad one. You know, like, uh, it, the r reality is that's reversed. Um, <laughs> the point is we don't do that. <laughs> Don't. God doesn't, God doesn't view us in that way. 
And so, go back to that verse. You who have been given much, you who have been entrusted with much, much is required. What is the much that you've been given? What is the much you've been entrusted with? Is he talking about wealth or gold or, you know, cars or houses? No, 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 that's not what he's talking about. He said the much that you've been given is the knowledge that the Son of Man will come again. That's big. You know the future. You don't know when the future, but you know the future. And about this future, you know that God is holding, if, if there's a reason God's holding that future back, it is because of his incredible love for all of mankind and his desire to see every heart change and every person repent and come to him. That's what you've been given. And Jesus says, you've been given much and from you much will be required. I'm not crazy about the translation of required. Some, some versions use expected. I would rather talk about potential and opportunity. If God has revealed these things to you, it's because he sees tremendous potential in you. And you have the opportunity, truly, you have the opportunity. You have a role to play in all of this. In this whole thing, in the movement of this whole, all of Scripture leaning into this future event. You have an opportunity. You have a role to play in, in your home with your kids. Much has been given. What are you doing with it? In, in your workplace, in your, in your attitude towards strangers, on Facebook, you, you have an opportunity, a role. You've been given. Much has been given to you. We have been given this awesome clue, hint, tip-off, heads-up about the future that the Son of Man will come. And it doesn't have to be for you a moment of anxiety, but it can be for you a moment of great anticipation. If anything, I think God is waiting for us to finish what he started. That's why his command to go and make disciples is so important. Go and let people in on all that God is and all that he desires and all that he is do doing. He has entrusted us with this good news of Jesus Christ, what godly and holy lives we should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus says, this life, to be my follower, is about return, readiness, reward, and requirement. I invite the worship team back up. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your words, um, tough words, piercing words. Um, 
Father God, I confess, like, like maybe some others here, that, uh, um, man, my, my eyes and my focus seem to be on the temporary way more than the eternal. Father God, you seem to, through your word, through your son, you seem to indicate to us that, that, that we think about and, and spend time worrying about and, and are afraid of the wrong kind of things. And so, Father God, I ask for uh, corrective lenses. I ask that we would, we would look at the, at the truth of your word, of, of what you're doing in this word, and that that truth would, would penetrate the, the deep corners of our heart. Father, give us this, this picture of, of homecoming, God, I've, I've, I've done too many, too many funerals lately to not have this, this idea of homecoming heavy on my heart. God, give us this picture of, uh, of your return. Let us anticipate this day. Look forward to it, even though I know we don't get to know when. Let us expect the unexpected. And, and based on that future event, Father God, let, let us shape, let, let that future event shape our here and now, shape the decisions we make today. Let us work backwards to, to this moment, to, to our values and our priorities, to our choices. Father God, let us uh, anticipate a reward. But Father God, let us step deeply into our potential, the potential you see in us. Let us deep, deep, let us step deeply into requirement. You have given us so much. Even right now, none of us in the, in the hearing of your words in this room t- today can say, we haven't been given much because we have. You showed us, you revealed your heart and your desire through your word to every single one of us. Much has been given to us. Father God, let us move in then into what is required. Let us, let our hearts be towards our friends and neighbors, towards our community, towards our city and towns, towards the whole world. Let our hearts be to see men and women come to you and repent, to give their lives to you, to accept the amazing gift that comes through your son, Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross, through his death, his burial and resurrection. We may receive something eternal, we may receive the gift of salvation. Father God, we remember this moment now. Each week, it's part of who we are. It's a part of our identity to, to take all this in by, by taking in a cup and, and by taking in a bread as we remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. We remember that moment and anticipate and look forward to a future moment. Father God, forgive us our sins. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says,